fabulous. I've longed to, to come back because uh, I can say things here I can't say anywhere else. <laughs> Colwyn, you're still alive. Child are fantastic. Isn't that awesome? Give it up for Colwyn. He's still breathing. That's amazing. Good gosh. I feel a bit intimidated this morning, you know, preaching with a senior pastor on the front row here. Uh, how's he doing? <laughs> yeah, he's bluffing it. He's bluffing it. But you know what? You know what? God, is, God helps bluffers. He does. I bluffed it for 25 years. I'm telling you now. You were? Were you swearing then, Dave? I can't hear properly. Anyway, but he is what he is because of his wife. Faye Edwards! You don't know, I tell you what, I know things about Faye you know nothing about. You know when we first started this church, how many of you know that God, you know, sort of thinks, he looks down at some of the stuff we do and we go, oh God. How many of you know he does that sometimes, right? We're only doing our best. Do you know what? We had a youth meeting here once, I thought, gotta got to make it sort of uh, relevant, so we had the band up here. I had two boxes, like a big, two like podiums, one here and one there. And during the praise, <laughs> we had Faye Edwards in a black leotard. I'm serious. Dancing over here like one of James Bond's girls. Isn't that right, Faye? I'm not lying. What a dancer. I tell you what, that's when Dave noticed, hey, she's hot. <laughs> It took her to dance in a leotard before he saw her. You know what I'm saying? But it's, it's really, it really is uh, tremendous to be here, back home. And on the 21st of September, uh, because of a word from the Holy Spirit, the Lord instructed me to transition the church. How many of you were here on, during the, tra- the transition morning? Right, nearly everybody. And um, uh, since then, um, God has just been amazing. It, it was not just a, it was not just a, a setting meeting. It was also a sending meeting. Not only did we set Dave and Faye in here as lead pastors of this house for the next season, and can I just say this? And I'm not just saying this to carry excitement and stuff. I honestly believe <clears throat> that the greatest, most fruitful season the King's Church has ever seen, you, you've just entered it. Come on, somebody. You've just, you've just entered it. And uh, I don't say that lightly. And when I was thinking about that, you know, when we made the transition three months ago, uh, the 21st of September, October, November, yeah, over three months ago, um, some accepted it and some didn't accept it. But that's cool because you can't please everybody. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, after all, Dave is not everybody's cup of tea. Do you know what I'm saying? But, 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 hey, let, let me finish. What's this, a flipping pantomime? Oh, no, he isn't. 
shut it. I don't believe that then. <laughs> Had a bit of a chill then. <clears throat> uh, some, listen now, some, whenever change happens, um, motives are revealed. Because sometimes you think some people have the right motives until the barrel's kicked over. It may say, it may say, it may, was that you then? Your voice has changed there, bro. It may say, it may say, uh, you know, something on the barrel. But when you kick the barrel over, and do you know what? Sometimes God uses change and transition to find out really what's in our hearts. And, um, and, you know, some accepted it, some didn't accept it. But one thing I know, God prepared it before the foundation of the world. And, and uh, when I was thinking about the whole transition, and it's been a scary time for Dave and Faye and the team. You know what I mean? I mean, how can you follow a humble pastor who doesn't work out that looks like this? No, but seriously, seriously, I mean, you know, I've known, I've known, I've known older guys who've hung on to their churches far too long. And, and then when they've left or when they've retired, well, I hate that flipping word, that's not in the Bible. Uh, when, when they, <clears throat> I've not retired, I've refired, that's what's happened to me. So, 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 uh, and they hang on to it for too long. And then <clears throat> they squeeze the life out of it. But I didn't want to be one of them pastors. <clears throat> In fact, I can tell you now that we were preparing for this transition for four years. Four years. Under the radar, things were happening. <laughs> and then I was just waiting for the green light. And very often the green light comes at a time when you're picking your nose or looking at somebody. Whoa. You know what I'm saying? The green light comes sometimes at the most unusual times. And when God said to me, right, now's the time to transition, um, I, I honestly believe that God prepared it. In fact, I was reading the prophecy of Andy Elms the week before we made the transition. Some of you need to get the message of Andy Elms in September, uh, seven days before the 21st, which is, what? I knew that. The 14th, check out, you need to go and listen to the podcast of Andy Elms, the 14th of September. He knew nothing of the transition. Nothing at all. Listen to some of the words he prophesied. He turned up here and he says, I just sense that God wants to bring encouragement to the King's Church this morning. There's a spirit of change in the air. Watch this, but don't worry. It's not just happening in Newport. It's happening all across Great Britain and the British Isles. And he said, when I came through the doors, I don't want to cross any lines that I shouldn't cross this morning. But I sense there's a change in the air. It's the change of reformation. God is shuffling some stuff in his body because he's got a plan. One of the things I saw when I came through the door was a deck of cards being shuffled. The other thing I saw was a vine and a branch. And I was reminded of John 15 where it says, Jesus is the vine, 
We are the branch, and his life is our life. We find our union in him. But then Jesus introduces us to the vine dresser, the father who trims the vine or the branch that it may bear more fruit. I just sense that not in the negative context, but in the positive context, God is busy pruning you as a church right now. He's busy pruning the king's church as a branch, not negatively, like you've not been doing that right, so let's cut it off, but it's all good. There's a changing in the deck of cards. There's some movement within places and people that are happening right now. And God wants to give comfort to you. Understand, Andy knew nothing of the transition. God always prepares. He doesn't come wallop. Come on, somebody say amen here. His hand. But also, as you are seeing things cut and trimmed, That's the hand of the vine dresser who only ever trims the branch that it might bear more fruit. I don't know how that outworks, but I saw a joining of the branch to other branches, almost like the household enlarging and you becoming a part, things becoming a part with you. I saw a coming together of other branches adjoining with with who you are, with other things that God is doing in the world. Now, let me just say this. For the past three months, I've not stopped. I've been fulfilling my calling. You see, not only was it a, not only was it a setting meeting, it was a sending meeting. You sent me. This is my home. This is where, I, where I'm umbilically linked. This is where I draw my, the sap of life. I believe in the principle of the local church. You don't, you don't mess with the local church. <clears throat> and um, for the past three months, I've been traveling as an abolitionist. God gave me a mandate to minister as an abolitionist. And basically, when I went before the Lord, he said, Ray, this is what I'm calling you to do, supported and sent by the King's Church that I've planted 25 years ago. Number one, to minister as an abolitionist within the body of Christ. Number two, to preach the gospel of the grace of God, breaking the chains of law-based slavery. Number three, to release the body of Christ into the freedom that comes by grace alone. And number four, to bring believers to the realization that grace shouts louder than any voice that seeks to enslave and rob believers of the abundant life promised by Jesus. Come on, somebody say amen here. That's the mandate now. That's the mandate on my life. And even though I will be traveling and fulfilling, there will be seasons where I'll be home I may ring up Dave and say, Dave, God's given me a word for this house and I need, uh, I need three Sundays to teach it. So it's going to be like that. Come on, somebody say amen. You, 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 don't, know, you don't know when I'll be here or not. But the, but the Holy Spirit, see, the, Jesus said the Holy Ghost is like the wind. I can't stand organized stuff in the sense of, when you organize the Holy Ghost out of it. 
<clears throat> but that's the mandate of my life. And for the last three months since the September, I have been tra- traveling uh, all over Europe, particularly. I've been to South Africa, but mainly in Europe. God has opened some amazing doors. And just recently, think about now, God says, you're going to link up with other branches, branches who are like who you are. Not what you do, but who you are. And for seven or eight years before the transition, the Holy Ghost instructed me to marinate this house in the gospel of the grace of God. And there's a reason. There is a second reformation taking place in Europe. Europe now is known as the dark continent, not Africa. Secularism and uh, modernism and uh, just, uh, just, uh, just a eat, drink, be merry because tomorrow we die mentality in Europe. Um, and, so, and so God has been opening, especially in Switzerland. It's the first time I've been to Switzerland. God opened a door there. It's amazing. Two pastors that really wanted to, uh, wanted to step out and preach the gospel of, grace, of the grace of God alone. Um, received incredible persecution, so they started to listen to my podcasts uh, over those seven years. They actually came to visit the church and said, one day, Ray, we're too small right now, but one day you're going to come and preach in our church. Well, that day came in October of this year, and I went there. I went there, just about 100 or so people, but they're growing. I went there and made some amazing connections uh, spoke to leaders, uh, a couple of churches there, and amazingly enough, uh, all of them are linked up to my friend Joseph Prince in Singapore. And um, <clears throat> when we made uh, the connection, there was an instant connection between the pastors, and they said, Ray, we, we are forming something called Grace Alliance Europe, and I'm going to be part of that alliance to bring the message of the gospel of the grace of God to this dark continent of Europe. Come on, folks. And this is my platform right here. Come on, let's give Jesus some praise in this house. So we are not just a local church. We're not just a local church. It's not Ray Bevan doing his thing. When I go, you go. Because you sent me. And that's God's blessing is on you. You can't just leave a church. Especially if you're a leader. You have to be sent. It's the way God does it. Come on, somebody say amen here. I've unofficially planted six churches in Newport. God hasn't planted them. But you know what I'm saying? No, you, 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 don't, you don't leave a church if you're a leader. Because you decide. You have to be sent. I just thought I'd share that with you, ladies and gentlemen. Because we've got to be wise when it comes to local church. This is not a flipping social club. Amen. And so, and, so, uh, and so we are forming this alliance, Grace Alliance Europe. And what you don't realize is that in Europe right now, the, the message of the grace of God is being severely persecuted by a religious church. Two pastors stuck with me for the whole weekend I was in Switzerland like glue. They were like Velcro. They sat there. I, I taught a whole bunch of leaders for the whole, on a, a whole Saturday. They came to the Sunday services, all of them, morning, night, everything. They were with me. And then at the end, uh, at the end, they, they, they told me, 
they were two pastors. One, one of the pastors was kicked out of his church because he decided to start to preach the gospel of the grace of God. The other pastor, a young man, had been a pastor for 12 years. And on the last service, I, I just passed, I said, can I pray for you? He, he burst out into tears. And he said, Ray, I was a pastor for 12 years. And I started preaching the gospel of the grace of God and 90% of my church left. I had to close it down and I'm, I, I feel hopeless. But he said, this weekend has resurrected my hope in my calling that even though all leave me, Jesus will never forsake me and he will never leave me. Come on, let's give him praise right here. So I laid hands on that young man. I laid hands on that young man and... Uh, and, and he's going to be part of that grace alliance. So let me tell you something. Whatever's going on, whatever's happening in your life, listen, God is at work in Europe. And I am the most excited I've ever been, not just for this house, but for what uh, we are going to be part of in Europe. Now you can give Jesus a big clap and praise him right here. Is anybody alive out there? Well, that's the report. I'll be coming back to give you a report. And so many wonderful things are happening. It's wonderful. I Listen, man, I don't care what time it is. Thank you. Oh, are you ready for the word right here? Dave, you've been preaching awesome. You've been preaching awesome, man. A true son. A true son. I shared in the, on the 21st. You know what a true son is? His eye is not on the ministry. His eye is on the father. When Elijah went up into heaven and the mantle was falling, Elisha didn't say, my mantle, my mantle. My ministry, my ministry. He said, my father, my father. That's why God is going to bless this man right here. Come on, somebody say amen. Because he understands he understands. You know what? I was talking to Ray McCauley, and people are saying, where's the fathers, okay? Look, you've got many instructors, but not many fathers. Where are the fathers? Where are the fathers? And that's, that, that's, the, that's the, the voice that's been going up in the body of Christ right now. But you know what Ray said to me? But you know what, Ray? There's another cry going up. Where are the sons? Where are the sons who honor their fathers? God puts a very high priority on that relationship. And I'm going to tell you, Dave is like, is like a natural son to me. Dave is not just like a natural son. He is a spiritual son in the true sense. We are umbilically linked. Do you know what he said to me? He said, Pastor Ray, whatever happens, I will never change the locks on this house. Isn't that awesome, Dave? Anyway, uh, I had a moment then. No, you're all I guess then. <laughs> when God hides himself, this is the message that God put on my heart for this morning. In fact, I, I was just planning to pick up what I left off three months ago. I probably will, you know, when you wheel me on here, yeah, I will. But, but, but I couldn't get away from it. I've been, I've been Instagramming this stuff. 
because it's been such a powerful thing. And, and the scripture that grabbed me by the throat was Isaiah 45, verse 15. And it says this, Truly, you are a God who hides yourself. It's an unusual scripture, isn't it? He hid himself in Mary's womb. Outside the innkeeper, the innkeeper had no idea, even though he was prospering, how he could be even more blessed. And very often when we are prospering, Jesus comes hidden in an act of service. He hid himself in an infant's cry. Herod had to kill a whole generation trying to find out the hidden God. He hid himself in a barn in Bethlehem. He hid himself in a carpenter from Nazareth for 30 years undetected even by his own siblings. He hid himself in the shame of Calvary's cross. Darkness covered the land as heaven closed its doors to the divine light as God hid himself for three days in the caverns of death. But you know what? There were glimpses in his life when he came out of hiding. He came out of hiding for those with humble hearts, like the shepherds. He came out of hiding for those who sought him persistently and wouldn't give up, like the wise men. And he came out of hiding for those who waited patiently for the promise, like Anna the prophetess. And you know what? He comes out of hiding for those who believe when others are blind. The Bible says that he came to his own and his own did not recognize him. But to those who believe, he gave them the right to become the children of God. Come on, you need to give. I'm, I'm taking you somewhere here. For those who see more than a baby, for those who see more than a carpenter from Nazareth, for those who see more than a failure hanging on a, on a cross, defeated, for those who declare by faith, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. When other people are bewildered and confused, to those who are humble and wise and patient and believing, watch this. He may be a God that hides, but he's never a God who is absent. I will. Like Job standing in a personal war zone of tragedy, bludgeoned by the taunts, of blindfolded friends. Where's your God, Job? Why don't you just curse God and die? To those friends who bludgeoned him with doubt and condemnation, he hid. Just like when his advisors discouraged him in his devastation, <clears throat> in Job 34, 29, it says, when God hides his face, <clears throat> who can see him? And when Job, under the railing of those negative, condemning, doubt-filling 
<clears throat> statements. When his own heart failed him, causing him to cry out, Job thirteen twenty four, Why do you hide your face and regard me as your enemy? But in the middle of all that, in the middle of all that stuff, when all the evidence of the presence of God was gone, when he had no nice feelings or goosebumps on his goosebumps, when he was surrounded by negativity and accusation, and give up, Job! No, no, no. You see, Job had an understanding that God may be hiding, but he's never absent. I may not feel him or see him, but I do know that he's there somewhere. And in the middle of all this, he stands up and he says, For I know that my Redeemer lives. And in my flesh, I will see God. Come on. Somebody give him praise in this house right here. <clears throat> you know, there are... Thank you, Haley. Jenny, I wasn't sure if you'd been baptized or not, love. I'm just making sure, all right? <clears throat> watch this. Come on, is this word helping anybody here this morning? Watch this now. Now watch this. Yeah. <laughs> know this. Now, no, this is so important. Because this is a rhema word for our house. See, that's how God's going to use me in the days to come here. Going to come, yeah, throw water. Yeah, to cool you down, Jenny. You know, I, I, uh, I, I you know, God will, will use me in a more prophetic sense to come with a rhema. And, uh, and this is a rhema. Know this, we will experience seasons where God seems to hide himself, but he's never absent during those seasons. Very often, He's doing his greatest work in our lives when he seems to hide himself. He hides himself sometimes in silence. When heaven is silent. When you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed and the, your pillow is wet with tears and you're walking around Tesco's Looking for frozen peas, but thinking about God. Come on, do you know what I'm talking about here? Housewife, when you get up in the morning and you have to go through the chores, and guys, when you go to work and you fulfill your responsibility and you do it by faith and all day long, your heart is going up to God and heaven is silent. And when that silence goes on for day after day after day. It's not a very pleasant experience. Have you prayed for God to help you? Perhaps because of unfair treatment, accusation, rejection, trial. Listen, I want you to be encouraged. <clears throat> Are some of you frustrated because heaven seems silent? Is this a time you need God to be more vocal? But it seems he's not talking. This truth is encapsulated in that gut-wrenching cry of our Savior who went this way before us, 
living under the silence of heaven. My God, my God, where are you? And when I meditated on our wonderful Savior, the one who is our forerunner, the one who goes ahead of us, the one who is tempted in all points, like as we are, even during seasons when heaven was silent, God hid himself in the silence. I learned this lesson from my Savior, and you should too. Heaven did not come to his rescue that day, but unknown to all, including the hordes of hell, heaven was working its genius. Because the Bible says if they had known, if Satan and his hordes had known what was going on, I can imagine Satan taunting Jesus, where is he then? Son of God, where's your dad now? Heaven was silent. But unknown to the hordes of hell and those watching, even those who were close to him, heaven was working its genius. Let me encourage you. Some of you may not see stuff happening right now. Some of you, heaven is silent. It's a God. Where are you? What's going on? Listen to me carefully now. God is always working. Jesus says, my father's always working. And watch this. He will work all things together for my good. Because I trust him and I love him. Anybody else in the house can share this. Say, come on, man, you need to give God praise. I'm enjoying this here. Anybody enjoying this? <clears throat> Heaven was deliberately silent. Now, I'm getting to the lesson here. Heaven was deliberately silent. Silent on purpose. In order to display its greatest passion. The world would never have known or experienced the love and forgiveness of God if heaven had spoken up that day. The world would have been robbed of the greatest display of grace, the greatest display of mercy and unselfishness, if heaven had interrupted the silence. If heaven had answered, it's darling, on that day, 2,000 years ago, we would never have heard those immortal words, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Listen to me. You lovers of God. You may be unfairly treated right now. You may be misunderstood and rejected. And heaven may be silent to your prayers. But through his grace in your life. Many who are watching you. Here it is. Many who are watching you live under the silence of heaven will be convinced like that hardened Roman centurion at the foot of the cross. Surely 
these people live what they preach. Surely I see Jesus in those people. Surely I can see the God of grace and forgiveness is real in their life. I wrote this down. Do you know what? When I was in my study, I wrote this down and I I was just silenced when I saw this. God may be hidden in his silence to you, but through your life, during times of heartache, persecution, and rejection, watch this, your response to it is shouting loudly to a watching world. Heaven may not be speaking to you, but he's using you to speak to a watching world. Come on, somebody say amen here. I love this. First Peter chapter 2, verse 23. He did not retaliate when he was insulted. Never forget, listen, heaven was silent. But still God was speaking. Through the response of his son to persecution. Through the response of his son to insults and Slander. Watch this. <clears throat> he did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. I don't know how many lives have been used to speak to me when they've been living under a silent heaven. I don't know how many lives as I've watched people go through hardship and trial and loss and pain and still they turn up in church on Sunday morning under a silent heaven and raise their hands to God and say in all things give thanks for this is the will of God for me in Christ Jesus I will praise him I will bless him I will thank him I've seen people lose their children here and turn up on Sunday living under a silent heaven, not wondering why and raising their hands to heaven with tears running down their face and praising their God. Man, that speaks to a watching world. Why don't we give Jesus another clap right here? I'm I'm just... No, come on, man. Just give him praise. Give him praise. When God hides in silence, he may not speak, but he always hears. Heaven may be silent, but it's never death. And Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7 speaks of that moment when Jesus was suspended between heaven and earth under a silent heaven. Actually, this is what was going on behind the scenes. Hebrews 5, 7, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications and vehement cries, talking about the cross here, and tears to him who was able to save him from death. God didn't speak, but what's it say? And he was heard. And I tell you, all those prayers... that have come from hearts, confused, broken, painful hearts, all those prayers that have been prayed in a pool of tears 
when it seems as if no one is there. All I want to tell you, heaven may be silent, but your prayers have been heard. And it's enough for us to know that he knows. Come on, yeah. Give him, we need to keep praising him. Hallelujah. Sometimes he hides in unfaithfulness. What? When we are faithless, he remains faithful. You, you better thank God for that truth. Because there's nobody in this building that will remain faithful to God 24-7 every day of the week until we know, I'm telling you, that's why thank God for the covenant of grace. His love that is unconditional. And he hides himself. Oh, I love this. He hides himself in our unfaithfulness. When we rebel on sin as Christians. When, when we break our promises to God, rather than distance himself, he actually comes closer. <laughs> you see, that's law-based teaching will tell you God goes and hides himself and says, I'm not talking to you anymore. <laughs> like some grumpy old man. Honest to God, that's how law-based teaching, well, you've sinned and you rebelled as a Christian, and I'm not talking. <laughs> God is not some gay, grumpy guy. Listen. Because I talked a bit gay then, didn't I? No offense to gays. God loves gays. Just, you know. Anyway. Somebody said to me, Ray, do you accept gays in your church? I'll accept anybody who's prepared to sit and listen to the gospel of the grace of God that can change their life and fill their emptiness. I'll even preach to people from the valleys here. I'm from Cardiff. <laughs> oh, we had a transvestite come once. Anyway, listen, I'm not going to go into that story, but God sometimes hides. In our unfaithfulness, man, when, when we fail him, anybody, can I ask you an honest question? That's why I love it. When you preach an atmosphere if you're of grace, you know, you can be authentic and you can be honest. Is there anybody in this house right here that will put a hand up in the air and says, Ray, I have failed God as a Christian. Give me a wave, please. Fabulous. There's a couple of people from other churches here that haven't raised their hands. We are going to come to tithe to you next week. No, when we fail him, when we reject him, when we disobey him, we will suffer the consequences. God will say, all right, if that's what you want to do, this is what my word says, I love you. You stay in the confines of this, and I'll still love you even when you mess up. But let me just tell you, if you drive on the wrong side of the road, you're liable to get hurt. Not only that, you're liable to hurt other people too. But, uh, you know, your choice. So, so when we rebel and sin as a Christian, listen to me, you'll never stop being loved. No, 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 God won't reject you. He won't leave you. But sometimes he will just let you go and do what you feel you've got to do. 
and you will suffer the consequence. But listen, never confuse the law of consequence with the judgment of God. God will never judge you again as a Christian. He judged all our sins on the cross 2,000 years ago in his son. But there are consequences. If you want to make idiotic choices, you'll have idiotic consequences. Oh, do you know what I love about God? Even though he hides in our unfaithfulness, God is always ahead of our mistakes. God is always ahead of our sins. He's always ahead of our unfaithfulness. And he lovingly prepares to get us back on track. If we will just listen. He did it for Peter. Watch this. He prophesied Peter's failure, yet he prayed for his faith. He prophesied his betrayal, yet he prepared him breakfast. That's the God we serve. Well, you never know. <laughs> that sin that you committed could be the sin where you will lose your salvation. You stinking. <laughs> How many people live under that? Do you know, there's a lot of people in. This is why this message of grace has to sweep across Europe. Yeah. Come on, somebody say amen. Because we, we can't help a dying world if we're dying in here. Very often the church is a place where a guilty preacher is telling guilty people how to feel more guilty. No, thank God for the grace of God and the abundant life in Jesus. There is no condemnation. So he even, he even prophesied Peter's betrayal, but yet made him breakfast. He goes ahead of your mistakes. And your mistake and your sin and your rebellion as a believer, is, it's not, not God off his throne. Who didn't see that one coming? Come on, somebody. He prophesied his unfaithfulness, yet he remained faithful. He did it for Jonah. Jonah! Awesome! Came from Cumbran. Came from Wales. Listen to this now. Listen, he did it for Jonah. Ah, oh, forget it. Listen! What do you expect after three months? Listen, he did Jonah actually run away from God. How could he do that? David said, if I go to the uttermost parts of the sea, you're there. If I go to the Bahamas, you're there. If I go to put coal in a caravan, you are there. Oh yeah, even there God goes. Yes. When I used to holiday in Barry, in one of those little Charlottes in Butlins, you... We're there. It's not there now, but you were there when it was there. <laughs> no, listen to this, man. It, oh, oh, it's brilliant. Time's going great. What's the time? Oh, plenty of time, isn't it? Come on. Everybody say, plenty of time, Ray. Plenty of time. Come on, let's give Jesus another clap right here for time. <laughs> Hallelujah. Right, watch now. How, listen now, Jonah ran from God and he did suffer consequences. But when you run from God, he never runs from you. He runs ahead of you. <laughs> he runs ahead. <laughs> you know, when you run from God, listen now. Well, the word says this, but I, I mean, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. 
God understands how I feel. No, we don't. When it goes opposite to what the Bible says. Man, my wife is not showing me much affection. I think I'll go off with the Doris in work. Because God knows my heart. No, you plonker. His word becomes before your comfort. Come on, somebody. His word comes before your stuff. <laughs> oh, I love this. Oh, yeah. But when you run from God, he, you see, when you run from God, you always go down. The Bible says of Jonah, he went down to Joppa. Then he went down to the lowest part of the ship. Then he went down to sleep. And we all know where he ended up. Down in a, sh- in a fish's bottom. No, uh, not a fish's bottom. No, he wasn't actually in the bottom of the fish. The fish took him. The bo- you know what I'm saying. The fish took his bottom. No, the bottom of the fish. No, the fish. Jonah went in the bottom, bottom of the ocean taken there by the fish's bottom. No, he, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> there were two ways out of that fish. That way? Oh, that way. Oh, you know what I'm saying? There, yeah, there's two ways out of a problem. You can either come out better or bitter. No, man. But even in Jonah's own unfaithfulness, God, in his faithfulness, was saving Jonah from himself. Aren't you glad sometimes God saves you from your stupid self? Come on, I'm thanking God for it in my life. Listen to this. So all this down and running away. And yeah, I don't want God. And, and, and yeah, God didn't go, well, push off. I'll go find another prophet. No, man. No, he gives his gifts without repentance. And he and he hounded. And, and there's jo- Jonah. And you know the Bible says? God went ahead of Jonah's mistake and prepared a fish. God prepared a fish. That fish was an accident. Uh, God didn't say, oh, quick, now he's been in the sea. Any whales around here? Oi. Moby, over there. You, you're needed. No, he didn't do that. No, he was, he was already prepared. Aren't you glad that God, you see, God was hiding. Even in Jonah's unfaithfulness. By providing unusual protection. It's amazing how God in his love even protects us from ourselves. His grace surrounds us in the most unusual ways. Jonah would never have seen himself, watch this, surrounded and protected by grace. When he was sitting inside that fish. Have you seen some of these kids' storybooks? With Jonah and a whale. He's sitting there with a table. <laughs> with a candle on it. Have you seen them? Where did the table come from? He's sitting there with a TV in some of the morning. One's watching the neighbors or something. Watching, like, you know, Ge- National Geographic. <laughs> where, where did we get this stuff from? No, he was sitting there up to his neck in digestive juices. <laughs> so there's Jonah. No, he, he would have looked around at that environment. He would never have seen that environment as grace protecting him. All he would have seen is a ribcage and the gurgling of digestive juices. 
Come on, somebody, watch now. But God was hidden in that horrible environment. His protective grace was disguised as the innards of a fish. And Jonah couldn't see it. You can't outrun the grace of God. It has no perimeter. You can't outperform the grace of God. It has no ceiling. You can't outsin the grace of God because it has no measurable depth. He surrounds us with his grace even in our unfaithfulness until we come to a place of repentance and realize I may have run away from God, but not only did he stay with me, but he protected me until I could make the right decision. Come on, somebody, give him praise! Because it says here, look, Jonah says uh, in Jonah chapter 2, you know, uh, then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. Some people say, get me out of this, then I'll pray. No, pray inside it. In all things. Jonah 2 verse 7, as my life was slipping away, <laughs> it would, wouldn't it? I remembered the Lord. Go, well done, Jonah. And my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifice. It's a sacrifice to give thanks to God when you know that you've been proud and arrogant and rebellious. You've got to humble yourself. But he says, I'm going to sacrifice songs of praise, fulfill my vows. Salvation comes to the Lord. Watch this. And the Lord ordered the fish. To spit Jonah out. Come on, man. Some of you, why don't we just give God thanks for his protective grace? Even in our unfaithfulness, I'm nearly done. Are you receiving the word of God this morning here? One more, one more. Can you take one more? All right. Love it. Hidden in silence. Hidden in unfaithfulness. And the last one, and we'll wrap this up. Hidden in delays. Hidden in delays. Jesus, the one whom you love is sick. The one whom you love, Jesus, not the one who loves you, the one whom you love, smart prayer. Lazarus is sick. And do you know what Jesus said? And the disciples, come on, Jesus, let's go do this. Your friend is sick. All the whole family are worried. And Jesus says, I'm staying here. Sometimes God will hide himself in his delays. Watch this. I said this before. I'll say it again. Jesus did not turn up for Mary and Martha when it was difficult. He turned up when it was impossible. Sometimes he hides in delays for a reason. Watch this. Sometimes prosperity and favor from, for you is not immediate deliverance from the problem, but development through it. He told Peter, I'm not going to protect you from the trial of failure. I'm going to let you go through it. But this is what I am going to do. I'm going to pray you'll come out of it with a strong faith, able to help other people when they go through their stuff. When he turned up, finally, sometimes... God's delays are actually his developments. And when he turned up finally for Mary and Martha, the first thing he encouraged them to do was believe. Watch this as we come to a close here. Are you in a season of delay? Does God seem to be hiding? Be encouraged. 
the God that seems to be hiding himself in delays is closer than you think. Watch this. Oh man, this is just amazing. Time's gone. I'll, I'll preach the end of this in about four months' time, okay? So you have to come back to find out. Oh no, the Holy Ghost said, don't be so selfish, Ray. Okay, I'll respond then. I'll finish this. Watch this. <clears throat> Watch this. God doesn't just want to do a miracle for you. It would have been a great miracle to heal Lazarus' sickness. Now he wants to do a wonder. He wants to do something even better. In fact, in fact, God wants to do this. Watch this. He wants to do far above all that you can ask or imagine. All they could do was imagine Jesus healing a sickness. <laughs> Resurrection. Hello. Never even went there with their head. And I'm telling you something right now. I preached this before. I shared this before in some form or another. In Psalm 77 verse 14 it says, You are the God who does wonders. What is a wonder? I'll tell you what a wonder is. When God does something exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or imagine. It's like, do you know what a wonder is? It's like when Jesus turns up, the situation has now gone from difficult to impossible. Listen. And then he turns up when it's impossible. And you say, where were you, God, when it was easier? And then he said, roll the stone away. And I wonder is this, when Mary and Martha was grieving because Jesus didn't perform the miracle. Now, Jesus says, if you can believe, I'll show you something even greater. I want to show you a wonder. Because I'm the God that does wonders. Roll the stone away! And here's a wonder. When you realize God is about to do something and you go, he's not going there, is he? Oh, yes, I am. It's like when Moses raised up his rod over the Red Sea, there was no way forward. Moses, God, and the people are going to kill him. And Moses, okay, God. And all the people said, he's not going to go there, is he? Oh, yes, I am. Joshua's having a great time killing all the Philistines. He loved it. Oh, he loved killing them. It's in the Bible. It's going on killing everybody, Joshua. He's <laughs> an absolute flipping manic. And he's having great success. He's killing, he's fighting, he's having great success, right? And the sun's going down. God, this is great. This is great. You know, we've got to finish him off. We just can't hit for the sun goes down, they go and hide. We've got to start again. God, do me a favor. What? Would you stop the rotation of the earth? All right. And I can imagine all the armies when Joshua said, Hey God, stop the rotation. They would have said, He's not going to go there, is he? Oh yes, I am. 
and the sun did not go down until, come on somebody, say amen right here. Some of you, some of you need more time. Some of you need more time for something. Because it's not difficult, now it's impossible. Hey, listen to me. If God can stop the rotation, do you know how many laws God broke? to perform that amazing feat. And scientists are still wondering where those, that time's gone. It's because God stopped the rotation. My God, what's impossible in your life? Come on, man. It's time to believe the God who does wonders. He just doesn't want to do a miracle for you. He wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think. <laughs> Hallelujah. You want tax money, Peter? Well, go down by the sea there now. Go down to the gower and just throw in a line, pull out a fish, open its mouth, and all the money be in there. What? A lot of money. That's where you get your money from, is it? Hello, folks. That's not a miracle, that's a wonder. Come on, it's time to believe the God who does wonders. And very often God is hidden in his delays because he just doesn't want to show you a miracle. He wants to show you a wonder far above all that we can in fact, In fact, as the musicians stay where they are, as the musicians come up here, let me, let me say this to you. Listen, let's believe right now for the unimaginable. Come on, anybody up for that? Let, let's believe. Let's believe for the unimaginable. In his delay for Mary and Martha, his purpose was greater than creating faith for a miracle, but faith for the unimaginable. Feeding 20,000 with five loaves and two fish is unimaginable. Walking on water in a storm is unimaginable. Turning water into wine, the best wine, bypassing a 20-year process in seconds is unimaginable. And God may be hiding in his delay for a miracle for you because he's developing faith in you to believe. Come on, somebody, for the unimaginable. Far above all that you can ask or imagine when we presented when, we, when, when, when 10 of us here in this hall on a Wednesday morning presented Jesus cares to Jesus, when we gave him, when we just had some trolleys in the foyer, I want to tell you, man, we did wait, man, he did far above all that we can ask or imagine. <coughs> thousands upon thousands of hampers going out and believe with us as a church because we believe in the lottery will give us a million pound next year, not just quarter of a million. Come on, somebody say amen here. <coughs> What's turned from difficult to impossible in your life? What's gone from bad to worse because God seems to be hiding in delay? Well, get ready. I said, get ready, because God is getting ready to perform the unimaginable. Give Jesus another praise in this house right here. Now watch. I want you to stand, please, to your feet. I want you to stand.
Have you enjoyed the word this morning? Have you been blessed? And can I just say, before I, we pray, I want to thank all of you for supporting this couple. When others have not, I want to thank you for rolling up your sleeves and getting behind the vision of this house. And you know what we want to do together? We want to thank God for the future that he has for this place. We want to thank God. We want to thank God. You know why? You know why? Hey, listen. You, you ain't seen nothing. I will see it in my lifetime. The vision that God placed in my heart as a young man of 40. You can say that when you're 65. As a young man. I will see that. And you know what? It will even surpass what I saw. Because our God is a God that does exceedingly, abundantly above that we can ask or think. Are you believing for finances? Is there some area in your life that's become really difficult? Your marriage? Your mind? Your emotions? Your work situation? You belong to a God who does wonders. Over 25 years, Dave, we've seen him do wonder after wonder after wonder after wonder. Even when, like recently, just recently, we've had to look at the financial situation in the church. Because we've we, we got vision, we're stretching ourselves all the time. And a friend of mine rings up. And I talk to my friend and I say, we... You know, we want to do this and we do this. And, and they're supporting us with money every month for the next six months until we can see this vision realized. Come on, somebody say amen right here. And I'm asking, I'm asking, I'm asking all of you. I'm asking all of you. Not, don't just say you're behind this house, but prove it with every aspect of your life, in your attendance and especially in your giving. Especially in your giving. The best soil that you can ever invest into is in the local church right here. And if some of you don't tithe right now, well, think about it. If some of you are not covenanting where we can get money back from the government, see Caroline right here. She'll help you. Let's roll our sleeves up and get behind this because, listen to me, get ready. This season, God is about to do far above all that you can ask or imagine. What is it that you are believing for that's gone from difficult to impossible? We're going to sing, how great is our God. And you know, we're gonna, not going to call people out the front here, right? Where we're standing, we are just going to raise our faith. We are just going to say, God, you may have delayed, but there's a reason for the delay. You're going to show an amazing wonder, an amazing wonder. Now close your eyes, get locked in. If you want to raise your hands, do you know what? If you want to walk to the front as a statement, God, you know what? I'm going to believe for this. Then fine, just come and stand with me down here if you want to do that. If, it, if, it, if, if you need to do that, then, then do it. Just leave your seat. Come and stand here and say, God, I'm believing you for a wonder. Something far above all that you can imagine, ask. All right, come on, let's just worship Him. Let's get lost in the presence of Jesus right here.